Welcome to Scary Savannah and Beyond. This is episode 14. I'm your host, Brett, and with me, as always, is the most wonderful, beautiful, and stunning girl I've ever seen, the lovely Crystal. How have you been this week, Crystal? I've been good. We've been staying at home mostly and trying to get rid of all the Christmas stuff that's still in our house. We in did February. get rid of the tree though. We did. It and amazingly the they down. took it away. I'm I'm surprised. I'm I'm absolutely shocked that it didn't burn the house down because uh we were meaning to get rid of it for a long time. But then, then we, we went, went to, to Vegas. Vegas. <laughs> and then nothing good comes from going to Vegas. But uh we did return and the tree is gone, the living room's back to normal, but yeah. the kitchen and dining room is another story. Yeah, but that's, uh, she has to break down it's these gonna projects. It's going to happen this weekend. Yeah, she breaks them down and the, they take like several hours per room to set up and dismantle. Yeah, everything has to go in a specific place. That's so. how it works. So It's a whole thing. <laughs> you can find us online if you go to www.scarysavannahandbeyond.com or www.scarysavannah.net. You want to find us on social media, you can go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, even LinkedIn, TikTok. 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 You always forget TikTok. I know. We got to make more videos. We do need to make more videos. And we commit to make more videos to you. We actually have some big news coming up. We got some plans about some new stuff we're going to be doing with the podcast. But it's exciting. We're not going to talk about Can't it just yet, yet, but it's something we're we working on. see if it on. works. Yeah, we're going to try it maybe this weekend or the following weekend, and uh, we'll give you more updates as that comes along. If you'd like to support the podcast, please go check us out on Patreon, and that is www.patreon.com forward slash Scary Savannah. You can support us for as little as $3 a month. Buy some merch. Yeah, you could buy some merch as well. Go to our website, and there's a link to do that. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, then they will also be giving you merchandise at different tier levels. So if you can do that, that would be phenomenal. So we have a couple of updates from Facebook and email, and we're going to tell you about that. We have one from our Marshall House episode, and it was from a Facebook listener named Eric Van Landingham. He sent us a message and you remember- Thank you, Eric. Remember how we were like wondering how you get out on the balcony? So Eric says that they actually designed it this way because if they had doors to all, that it would put the building in a higher tax bracket and nobody wants that. So they installed windows that go lower to the floor so you can just step outside your window. That's right. Just like a good old Southern gentleman (laughs) or fine Southern lady would, you stagger out the window with your mint julep (laughs) crashing to the street below, I hopefully in a carriage of horsemen. Really, really interesting. So thank you, Eric, for reaching yeah, out. Yeah, thanks, Eric. We appreciate you listening and giving us some feedback. That uh, leads me to say that if anyone else is listening and if you hear anything that maybe you could expound upon for us that we might have missed, we'd be we'd love for you to give us that feedback. You can do it through email or you can do it through one of our social media sites or you can give us a call on our phone number, which is 906 2899. You can call, you can text it. Um, when you call, it's going to go right to voicemail. So you don't have to talk to anybody. Just leave us a message. And if we get it and it's something you'd like us to play, then we'll put it on the podcast. And uh, then you could be heard by tens of people around the world. <laughs> yeah. I think we should go back and stay in one of the rooms that we can go out on the balcony. I want the mint juleps room. <laughs> yes. What the stagger that? out the window room. And we also have an update on the Forsyth Park Inn. 
Remember our friend, Scott Siegel? I remember him real well. <laughs> well, he works there, remember? Yes. And uh, if you recall, it's haunted by a ghost named Lottie. And his manager, Dwayne, had a new Lottie experience the other day. Oh, do tell. So he was sitting on the back steps by the kitchen in the courtyard on the side of the house. And all of a sudden, there was a shadow of a person that moved along the garden wall. He looked up, but no one was there. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Isn't that how it always goes? It always happens that way. Except for the time we looked up and there was someone there. And well, you didn't see it. Well, you saw it somehow. But there was no one there. But I saw it. Something was I there. I saw it with my eyes. So I know something was in that room with us. I'm thinking the Marshall House is probably one of the scarier places because a lot of these people at these places we go to say that the ghosts they experience aren't really very hostile. Yeah, they're just like mischievous. Yeah. And yeah, this one was like not. the one that wrestled with you with yeah. the TV yeah. over yeah. at the other place we stayed at. Yeah, the Foley House. Yeah, the Foley House. That one didn't seem to be malicious, but I'm telling you that what we felt in that room at the Marshall House, it was not happy we yeah, were there. Yeah, he was kind of malevolent. Yeah, he was kind of malevolent. So anyway, Dwayne walks towards the front of the house and no one was there. Amazing. Imagine that. Yep. So even the housekeeper who was in the kitchen saw the shadow as well. Okay, so and, that's corroborating evidence. Yeah, she said it moved into the kitchen and vanished. Ah, I must so, have wanted some peanut yeah, butter and crackers. Yeah, Lottie is still there making her presence known. And thank you, Scott, for the update. Yes, thank you, sir. Keep them coming. Yeah. So that will bring us to our first story. And this week, we're focusing on a, some spooky lights. Some spooky lights. And we've got uh, three, three stories, stories that we're going to tell you about spooky lights in various places. So I think Crystal's going to take this first one. There's no myth about it. It's there. It, it's, it's real. And it will find you. Sort of shook me up a little bit then. I was pretty scared. We saw the, saw the garden lights several, several times. That was one of the scariest I've ever been. So in this segment, we're going to be talking about the legend of the Gurdon Light. Yes. This takes place in Gurdon, Arkansas. Population 2,276. Arkansas. <laughs> Much like the small town we grew up in North Carolina. Very small. Yeah, very little, tiny, small city. So there were train tracks that ran through the middle of town, just like the city we grew up in. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Hadn't heard a train in a long time. Mm -mm. The thing about Tybee is we don't have any trains. Uh, not anymore. Not anymore. There used to be one that ran from Savannah to Tybee, but now it's just a hiking trail, which has been closed since the last hurricane, remember? It's been closed ever since we moved here. <laughs> what are you talking about? It was the first hurricane that came yeah. through that closed it down. And hurricane like they're Matthew. constantly working on it, and it's not been open since. Yeah. And I'd love to take the dogs out there, but... Well, no. I feel like we'll both be in a rest home, and they'll be like, well, we're three quarters of the way done. <laughs> we're actually going to talk about this Tybee train, which was named the Marsh Hen, in a future episode. The Marsh Hen. Yeah, the Marsh Hen. That's cute. It is. I bet it was haunted. I'm sure. Yeah. So when we lived in North Carolina, we heard trains all the time from our house. Remember that? We did. It was like all hours of the night. You'd mm -hmm. be sitting there and they're so loud because the tracks ran directly through the middle of the right. city. So no matter which side of the tracks you lived on, yeah. you're going to hear the train. Everyone heard it. And our children were scared of it, especially our youngest daughter. Oh, yeah. She was terrified of train whistles for years. Remember that? <laughs> I do. You had Actually, to make up some kind of story yeah, for her, I made up you? a story to calm her down. I would tell her that the noise was just a baby train crying for its mommy train. 
And for some reason it worked. It worked. I know it's silly, but it worked. And she would just hold on to me and be like, is it a baby train? And I'd be like, yeah, the mama train. She's mama mad. Train. She's coming. <laughs> though. She's coming. It's like a grizzly bear. She's going to show up. She's coming in the house. <laughs> no. So she was fine. And I now she said that to her. I may not. Now she's about to turn 19. And if she hears this story, she'd probably be mortified. Yeah. But hopefully she doesn't listen to she's our podcast. She's too cool to listen to podcasts. Yeah, she probably doesn't though. listen to our podcast. So I had never heard of the Garden Light until we met a guy in the airport on our latest trip to Vegas. Way to go, McCarran. That's a great place to meet people. Yeah, we meet a lot of interesting people there, don't we? At the same bar. Every time <laughs> we go there, we go in this bar and we make friends every single every time. Every time. We sit there for hours just talking. And we always like oh, to ask yeah. them if they have any interesting ghost or paranormal yeah, stories. Yeah, I slot them a card and I'm like, hey, I'm a professional podcaster. <laughs> They're always impressed. So this guy, <laughs> <laughs> this guy actually lives in Gurdon, Arkansas. Who lives there? Only 2,276 people and we met one of them. It's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. too easy, right? Right. So after doing some research, I found that the Garden Light is quite popular and it was even featured on Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So here is a clip from Marcus Lowe and YouTube. And the Garden Light, the theory is that there was a man that was a brakeman. They were switching cars from off the main track onto a siding. And supposedly he gave a signal for the train to stop. The train evidently didn't see his signal or didn't stop. And it knocked him down and supposedly came across and cut off his head. Now, the story of the Gurdon light is that light is him holding a lantern coming back and looking for his head. Now, truth about it, I don't know if that's true or not. But I do know the Gurdon light is true. I've seen it many times. The legend behind it is uh, one of the conductors or one of the guys on the railroad track got his head cut off. And that that's what the light purpose is, that he's looking for his head. So that was an interesting story. And don't you just love the Arkansas accent? It ain't got nothing on me, baby. No, it it's not quite North Carolina. Just wait. Got I got some, something for you. You got some North Carolina accents coming up. I got some. Oh, is mine not good enough for you? <laughs> yours is. And you think mine's bad? No, but you just wait. You're masking yours. I am. So I'm not sure how much truth there is in this story, though, because no news stories were there to back it up. So yeah. it's probably just fun thing they t- like to tell children. <laughs> it's a fun thing they like to tell children. <laughs> well, you know, decapitation, baby. It's just how well, life works. Children, children like to be frightened they a like little to be bit, scared. just a little bit. And don't go outside after dark or the guide. The guide and light. The garden light. The guiding light will get you. <laughs> it's not the guiding Except light. Except I imagine them being like, don't you go outside after dark. You know them good old lights going to get you. Oh, that's a pretty good Briscoe Dawn impersonation. That was. Yeah. Man, I should look into voice acting. You should. So the light appears like a ball, much like a lantern would appear. And this is one of the stories a lot of locals tell their children. But there's another story which is based more in fact. Okay. I want to hear that one. This one has a true crime element, which uh, you know I love. Uh-huh. What a shock. <laughs> On December 4th, 1931, railroad foreman William McLean suspected one of his workers, Lewis McBride, of sabotaging the train tracks, causing a derailment of a train the previous day. Uh, I'm not sure what loop. motive McBride would have had by causing a train to derail, unless he's one of those people who just likes to watch the world burn. There are people he like may that. be the Joker, <laughs> there, so you're calling like back some Joker here. <laughs> there's people like that. McLean was not amused and fired McBride. McBride became enraged and followed McLean down the tracks and attacked him. He beat him to death with a spike maul. 
You know, one of those heavy hammer looking things they used to drive in railroad spikes. Oh, no, not a spike. You've seen mall. it. You've yeah, seen it. yeah. It <laughs> I didn't know what it was of, called, uh, but now I do. Reminds me of Hell on Wheels. Exactly. You remember that? Yeah, that's what he used. All right, then. So that was pretty gruesome. When Will McLean didn't return home, a search party went out looking for him and they found a blood trail next to the railroad tracks and followed it down the embankment and found the mutilated body of Will McLean. According to those that found him, his lantern was still clutched in his hand. Hence the legend of the curtain light. Uh-oh. So it was Willie McLean all time. No, it was McBride. McBride. Is the one that murdered him. Well, I meant. You mean he's, he's the, the ghost. ghost? Perhaps. McBride was arrested for the crime and executed by electrocution the following year. I always find it interesting in these old cases, they just don't waste time convicting and executing people. They don't? No, it's, it's like, like well, it was literally two months later. It was like. The murder occurred in December of 1931, and he was executed in February of 1932. So he two would still later, be on death row to this day. That's what I'm day. saying. It's like, there's no appeal. There's no sitting around on death row. There's no last meal. Did it's the like, lantern fit? <laughs> apparently it did. <laughs> A lot of people nowadays just die waiting on it. You know, death row. It's like, yeah, like waiting our for their execution. last, uh, uh, Robert Durst. Robert Durst. Yeah, was yeah. He, did he, he what was get he the death penalty. Of? He just got life. He got, yeah. Yeah, they were never going to put him to death. Yeah, he was already old. <laughs> and sick. Yeah. So back to the garden light. This light has been seen by hundreds of people. And like I said, it appears like a large round ball of light. And sometimes it changes colors. Residents claim to have seen it dozens of times. I'd love to drive out there if it wasn't 13 hours away. Hey, that's no biggie. We'll just hop on a plane. Wonder where the nearest <laughs> airport is. Who knows? We'll show up in our Vegas I doubt clothes. they have one anywhere near. I don't know if y'all know this, but we're pretty well known for our Vegas trips. When we walk into bars here on Tybee, they're like, that's Mr. and Mrs. Vegas. <laughs> yeah, and we have specific clothes like, we wear. We'll walk into a bar, and I know all the musicians out here, and they'll be playing a set. We'll walk in, and in the middle of the song, it'll be like, Mr. and Mrs. Vegas. <laughs> and they'll point us out at the whole crowd. It's great times. Yeah, it's fun. So one of the earliest recorded sightings was by an elderly train conductor named John. Aren't they always named John? Exactly. He said he stepped out onto the caboose of the train and suddenly this light appeared and followed the train for over a mile, matching its speed. He had no idea what it was and just stood there transfixed until it veered off towards the cemetery and disappeared. And do you know what the difference between a cemetery and a graveyard is? I, in fact, do. Would you like to enlighten me? A graveyard is next to a church. And a cemetery. And a cemetery is not. Yes, we learned that on a tour locally here and we did because graveyard like churchyard yeah that's yeah. how she said she remembered that's it. how i remember it i wonder if that cemetery was where will mclean was buried i don't know did you do an investigation into that well you know it's been so long they probably don't know but awesome. i imagine it was since there's only a couple thousand people well, we, go to Gurdon. we go to Gurdon and we find our boy i know how to track him down well that cemetery is not there anymore are you sure they paved over it i'll get well, to that we'll find the road i'll get to that Okay, sorry. <laughs> so like I said, hundreds of people have seen this light many times and they say that it may appear in front of you, then you turn around and there it is on the other side of you. That's weird. Tricky. One local belief is that if it gets behind you, you won't be able to get back to your car. Now that's the kind of belief that if they taught me when I was a kid. <laughs> You'll I lived never in go Gurdon. out there. Now, here's a story about how scared I am of ghosts that I'll say it first so Crystal doesn't say it. Uh, I don't like going outside in the dark by myself. And when we used to live in North Carolina... One time I went outside when our kids were a little younger. And at the time, that's when Slender Man just came out. Like people just started talking about the. I thought you were scared of the black eyed kids. Oh, well, them too, but oh. I didn't expect to see them out. There. I thought the Slender Man would be there with the black eyed kids. <laughs> oh, I and they would a... come because our street was out. We were out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of trees. 
and it was very dark. And I was out there. Then and you I was took like, something to the trash. No, that no, I went to the mailbox. Oh, the mailbox, which was way far away from our house. Yeah. It was, and so I'm coming back, and in my mind, I'm like, well, you know what? Slenderman follows you, and he's probably in his tree, <laughs> and so I better run. So I took off running, and there was like a a basketball, a, a basketball just laying there. I didn't see, and I stepped on it, and I think I d- almost did a I flip. I remember that. He's like laying out in the yard and yelling, and I'm like, what is going on? Save me for the Slenderman. <laughs> it was a basketball. Yeah. I'm a real brave soul. <laughs> so for years, people have been I make trying- up for it in stunning good looks and musical prowess, right? You do. <laughs> so for years- You're a good liar. <laughs> so for years, people have been trying to come up with a logical or scientific explanation for this phenomenon. One explanation is that the light is from a car on the interstate about four miles away. I have a feeling that headlights are going to play into all of the stories we're about to tell you. Well, the problem with this theory is that the lights were seen many years before the highway was built in 1970. Uh, Now that is a rub right there. Yeah, yeah, because this happened in the 1800s. Yeah. Another theory is that it's swamp gas. Isn't that always the way? Yeah, that's what they always say. Aliens. Swamp gas occurs when deep vegetation decomposes and rises to the surface. Possible. But the problem with this is that people have reported seeing this light in all kinds of weather, like wind and rain, which apparently swamp gas doesn't occur in these situations. I was just about to tell you that, you know, because I'm pretty much an expert in swamp gas related activities. So, yeah, but thank you for covering it. And the most interesting theory of what causes this is piezoelectric effect. Now, what this is, is apparently when you squeeze rocks together like quartz or Rochelle salts, you'll get an electric current and it can rise to the surface. Yeah, they use this technology to make guitar pickups for like acoustic guitars and stuff. Really? They do. That's cool. That's how I know that word. Gurdon just happens to sit on top of a huge huge quartz quartz crystal deposit as well. I feel the Scooby-Doo part of this episode coming in and then they unmask the Will McLean guy that just shows up when they're investigating in town. Old man McLean. Old man McLean. (laughs) And he would have gotten away with it too if it had been for your meddling kids. And that spike ball. And that old spike ball. (laughs) It also sits on a fault line called the New Madrid Fault. They have fault lines in Arkansas? They do. So when these plates shift, in the fall, um, it causes an electrical charge and that, you know, could cause the crystals to rub together. So when you combine the electrical charge with the fault line and the swamp gas and the headlights. <laughs> so they're saying it could appear as a of ball events. of light. Yeah. Okay. The murder of Will McLean just happened to take place at the same time as a major <laughs> earthquake along the New Madrid fault line. It was swamp gas season too. <laughs> Those that hold to this theory just can't explain why the piezo phenomena appears as a ball shape. Apparently, it doesn't appear that way. I guess, well, I didn't want to really get into detail, but when swamp gases over quartz deposits, it tends to form globular <laughs> like, like clouds. formations. <laughs> why is it a ball? Because that's what globular means. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it probably doesn't. I probably made that word up. You did. This is an interesting theory, but it can't be scientifically proven. My favorite theory is that it is indeed the ghost of poor Will McLean forced to roam the tracks for all of eternity looking for his killer. Sounds like the most plausible explanation to me. I think so. But the residents of Gurdon, Arkansas are happy to hold to their ghost story. The train tracks don't appear to be in service anymore, but a couple of years ago, the students of Gurdon High School rejuvenated the area to make it more tourist friendly. They put up signs and benches and such. When they put up a casino, we'll be there. (laughs) That's coming next summer. I imagine they have an abundance of tourists these days. Probably. I mean, does Gurdon own for anything other than their lights? 
No, but isn't that enough? I want to go. I mean, I want to go, exactly. but you know, I don't think that like I want to see know, a ghost light. Well, I do too, and I'm really seriously thinking about making this trip. So, <laughs> so Eddie, give me a call. We'll go to Gurdon road trip. So they, like I said, they paved over the old grave site and put a parking lot for the tourist. Sounds like a Counting Crows song. Yeah, I'm not sure if that was such a good idea from what we've seen here in Savannah. That, paving over yeah, graves is never... The entire never, city is paved over graves. Yeah, it's not a good idea. Apparently, it sort of angers the spirits. Yeah, so that's probably not their best idea, but hopefully it works out well for everybody. And hopefully someday we'll get to visit yes. Gurdon, Arkansas. And if you know anything about the Gurdon Light and have had an experience and you'd like to talk to us about yeah, it... Yeah, let us know. Let us know if it's worth going Give us a call. Out. 912-406-2899. 912-406-2899. So now we're going to move on to our second light story. The Brown Mountain Lights are there. There's no doubt in my mind. They're an elusive phenomenon, both baffling and intriguing. And after over a hundred years of sightings, there's still no agreement about exactly what they are. What is it? Coming up, it's the mystery of the Brown Mountain Lights. If you can't tell by that man's accent, this story comes from our home state of North Carolina. That dude sounds as much <laughs> of a hick as I do, right? He does. Yeah, trust me. I he, miss those accents. Yeah, yeah. Well, we don't you have get, that here. Yeah, well, you got me. So Yeah, but you've like taken on more of a Georgia accent since we've been here, which is I, less North Carolina. I don't Carolina. hear a Georgia accent. I don't well, even what know what I mean a Georgia is, accent it's is. It's not so Southern. It's not from the mountains like I yeah, am. Yeah, yeah. You've lost some of that North Carolina. That's a shame. But you can hear me say things like uh, haunted house, Spider-Man. Yeah, those are my two favorite. Haunted. It's haunted. Haunted and spider. Spider-Man. Yeah, spider. Makes fun of that. It's spider. Yeah. It's a long eye. So in this story, we're going to be visiting the Appalachian Mountains of North Carolina. I love the mountains. and where I we don't. <laughs> where we used to live, we were about an hour and a half from the mountains and four hours from the beach. So we were in a pretty good spot to get to either relatively easily. Now we're one minute from the beach. Yeah, we're most. one minute from the we beach. We can see it. And so we're I'm happy. five to six hours away from the mountains I'd want to go to, even though we have some in Georgia. I've We've been never to been to yet. the Georgia mountains. Yeah. Although we do live at the beach now, I love the mountains just as much. Uh, I love snow and haven't actually seen real snow in over five years. What about the snow we saw in Asheville last wasn't year? It wasn't real snow. That was real snow. It wasn't snow it was like Asheville, we had. I couldn't North even Carolina. sled on that. Well, we were... Crystal hates the cold. I do. We were there. I missed the snow. We I were, stayed in the room. <laughs> we stayed at the... We were going to the Biltmore house. Yes. And it started snowing. And I said, Crystal, it's snowing. And she's like, I don't care. So <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm not going out there. I went there. outside and walked down the street by myself in the snow, found a thrift store, wandered through it, looked Face homeless. the kids. It was good times. I, yeah, they were really jealous because all everyone in this family loves snow except for Crystal. Yeah, so, back home, whenever it would snow, they would all go out and play and take a trek down to Grandmommy and Granddaddy's house. And I would stay inside in the cold, in the warm. In the warm. In the warm. Cursing the cold, cursing the snow. I've always been fascinated by the ghost stories and legends that surround the Appalachian Mountain region of North Carolina. And you may remember from our first, and I guess would actually be episode zero, uh, where I mentioned as a kid, those were literally the only books I had access to at our tiny little library. You had Stephen King books there. I didn't Come care on. anything about horror novels. I I was like our, I didn't realize I like we our, were allowed to read them. Like I only stayed in the kids section. I didn't know we could check out adult books. <laughs> well, I would say that I was like our youngest son, and that I didn't read fiction. Oh yeah, I remember that. Like eight years old, he's like, "Mother, 
I do not like fictional books. Yeah, and we're trying to get, get him to read kids' books, yeah. and then he'd come back and he'd have books on like earthquakes and fault lines <laughs> yeah. and tectonic plates, and th- this is the anatomy of a peacock, you know, and stuff like that. And yeah, we need to have him as a guest. He's uh, pretty cool. We will bring him on here. You will really appreciate. He's got a great him. voice. I was the weird kid that kept checking out those same books over and over again, and I couldn't get enough of them. So you're an expert then. Uh, yes, I told you. Episode zero. I'm basically an expert in all things related to those three books I checked out. Well, tell me something I don't know. Okay, but not in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so more about where this is at. Brown Mountain is located in the Pisgah National Forest in Burt County, and it's not far away from Morganton, North Carolina. Below the mountain, between it and the outlook that we go over, lies the Linville Gorge. Is that where the caverns are? They're in Linville. Yeah, I don't know where they are. I don't think they're right there, though. We'll upload some pictures on our website so that you can see it for yourself and check out what I'm talking about. There are a few access points where you can supposedly see the lights, but the place we've been is an overlook on Highway 181. On its own, it's not the most breathtaking overlook on the parkway, but it is impressive in its own right because they do have some really stunning views that you can stop on this route that you go through. This one's pretty neat, but they do have some better ones. It's nothing like Grandmother Mountain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we went up there. Grandfather Mountain is a mountain in North Carolina, and that's where people go. They have Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's 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 neat. And then we're driving around and my dad's driving. I'm sorry. (laughs) Don't get angry. I'm sorry in advance, Dad. But we were on a road trip and we had my brothers with us and we were going around and there's actually a grandmother mountain. But apparently he parked in the armpit of Grandmother Mountain. <laughs> it was the worst view. He literally could have picked any other spot on the entire mountain. It was the worst overlook that exists out there. <laughs> then my dad just parked there. I love my dad. But then we ended up at the Brown Mountain one, so yeah. it was all good. Yeah, he got us there. Um, you have to go through some really windy roads to get here to the overlook we're talking about. And if you get car sick, it's not a good place to be. Yeah, I'm the only one of us that doesn't. Yeah, me and all the kids do not like that. Uh, The view along the parkway is worth the trip, just going there, because even if you don't see the lights, it's it's really a neat place to drive. If you come during the right season, even, you can get some amazing views of leaves changing. And that's one of my favorite parts about the mountains is when you get to see that fiery drapery of leaves and reds and yellows and golds and all these other colors on the mountain and it's very inspiring much i don't way, hate that part much in the way the ocean's inspiring to me it's inspiring in a different way when you get to this overlook i'm talking about and step out of your car you will see brown mountain off in the distance to your right this unassuming mountain is the source of local legend that continues to live on until this day on a dark night if you're there You just may be treated to an unexplainable display that has been going on here for a very long time. And if you believe some of the legends, it's been there for hundreds of years. You might be treated to an unexplainable light show, if you're lucky. There are plenty of pictures you can find online, and there are videos, and you'll see that they can appear as blue or red balls, you know, various different colors. They'll rise up from the gorge, they'll trace the mountains, and they've been seen to do numerous different acrobatic feats in the air so it's not like one set pattern that these lights do that was like Cirque du Soleil yes it's exactly like that you know then why haven't we been to see this because you don't like to go to the mountains no but we've been there we just didn't stay till it got dark I know because no one ever wants to stay standing staring into the distance (laughs) for hours except for who 
You do. Exactly. <laughs> you do. They don't appear at regular intervals, and there's no way to predict when you could see them. So that's another thing. So just you just got to sit there time. and wait around forever. Yeah, and it may not happen, and yeah. you may be there for weeks, you know. Uh, these lights, however, are not an isolated incident, and they have been seen by thousands of people. And the interesting thing is that they can still be seen to this day. The best time to try to view them, like the most frequent time people claim to see them, are after rain, and especially in the months of October and November. These lights are so well known that it was even featured in an episode of The X-Files in 1999. And if you want to go look that up, that would be Season 6, Episode 21, Field Trip. For those of you that want to get in the time machine and go back and check out some old sci-fi. I love some X-Files. Yeah, we do. I remember when we first started watching yeah. them, we were scared of them. <laughs> we thought it was scary. Yeah, man, we got so hardcore since then. <laughs> I know. I think the calls on that episode of the scare I, you remember how it was it was like the one agent totally believed in ghosts yeah. and ufos and stuff and then the other one was a Mulder. skeptic and she said there's a scientific explanation yeah. for everything well what happened is apparently it, it turns out that i think the cause of everything that happened on that episode was hallucinogenic mushrooms and that does totally make sense given its proximity to it appalachian state university yes <laughs> yeah totally makes sense but the real question is, what are the lights? And are they paranormal in nature? Or are they a natural phenomenon that no one just quite understands at this point? Some of the earliest reports of these ghostly lights can be gathered from accounts from Civil War soldiers, settlers, and the Cherokee and Catawba Indians. One of the oldest stories about these lights comes from the Cherokee Indians, and I'm going to play a clip for you right now. Now, the folklore in the area has it. There's a bunch of legends. One of the legends is that the Cherokee Indian fought the Catawapa Indian tribe over this land, and a bunch of warriors died. And the squaws with torches at night was looking for their long-lost warriors. To this day, they say their spirits are still looking for them. And that's one of the legends. So that's one of the local legends that predates electricity. And we will hear that's one of the current popular explanations regarding the lights today. You think it's electricity? Well, I'm getting to that. Okay. Um, obviously, that's more of a legend. You know, it's not really a ghost story. You know, Indian uh, women looking for their brave warriors that yeah. died in battle. But this area of North Carolina is loaded with legends based on Indian lore. As kids, me and Crystal both occasionally would go to the city of Cherokee, North Carolina. And I love going there because, you know, you had all those cool shops. Yeah, that going. was my favorite part. Yeah, because the, it's Indian land and the Indians, they would uh, have shops there that you could go in and buy. You know, it was like really trinkets, trinkets and stuff. yeah. But to a kid, that stuff was really, really little cool. Indian dolls, had a little drums, drums. And I love the drums. Like I remember I got one, and it always smelled like leather yeah, in those I places. Loved the and you know smell. how I love leather. Yeah, it was cool. A more recent story that is still pretty old comes from 1913. That's over a hundred years ago. Exactly, and I'm going to play a clip for you about that right now. In September 1913, an article in the Charlotte Observer told of a mysterious light seen by members of the Morganton Fishing Club. The light would appear regularly over Brown Mountain and had been seen for over two years. 
even after all that time, the cause of the light was, quote, still baffling all investigators. So this was a more modern occurrence of the light. And I think that that was actually a rather interesting article, but it was not as cool as the guy's voiceover though, right? Definitely not. Yeah. And you, you think the fishing club was uh, maybe drinking those nights? Absolutely. Or maybe on some of those magic mushrooms? If they had any kids in college. <laughs> or were they seeing the long dead ghosts of Cherokee women? Possible. Yeah, it is entirely possible. Another tale says that the lights are echoes from the lights that appeared when there was a search for a murdered woman in the 19th century. But the most widely known tale was actually recorded in the 1950s by Scott Wiseman and Myrtle Eleanor Cooper. They were both natives of North Carolina. They recorded and performed under the name Lulu Bell and Scotty from the 20s to the 50s. They sound fun. (laughs) They probably were. They became, at that time, one of the biggest acts in country music. Really? Their song, Brown Mountain Light, tells the story where a man and his slave are lost while hunting on the mountain. I'll play you a clip telling the story that this song was based on. Another legend has it that there was a plantation owner from the lowlands had come up to this area to do some hunt. He loved the mountains, so he'd come up here once while hunt. Well, he got lost. As time went on, he never returned. So his faithful servant and slave would go looking for him. He'd come up here to look for him with a lantern. He'd walk all up and down this mountain and these valleys and hollers looking for him. And they say to this day, that's still his spirit looking for his long lost master. So obviously we don't condone slavery, but, you know, obviously we're reporting legends as they occurred. And this is the legend. So that's why I'm talking about it. Scott Wiseman was actually from Boone and we know that place well, right? We do. We've been there many times. Yeah. That's where Appalachian State College is located. And that's where our daughter graduated from. She did. And speaking of Boone, going to do a sidebar here because this irks me. I don't know if any of you watched the TV show Ozark. But in this most recent season, there's a scene where a character supposedly goes to Boone, North Carolina. Spoiler alert. Well, I don't tell you who (laughs) and I don't tell you why. So you don't know. It doesn't ruin anything. I'm just kidding. As soon as we saw it, we both knew that was not Boone. No, like we saw the police car and it was in North Carolina. Yeah, it was a police car. And we're like, hey, that's North Carolina. Yeah, and And then we saw a sign that said Boone, North Carolina. Yeah, but we've been to Boone. I've never seen that sign before. That was not downtown Boone. the city looked a little like downtown It looks Boone. like you would think Boone might look if you'd never been there. Yeah. But, but it's um, not. Because uh, Boone's so got be these fooled. towering mountains That was Georgia. But oddly enough, that scene was filmed in our new home state of Georgia in a city called Buford, Georgia. Which looks very much like North Carolina. Apparently. Um, it's about four and a half hours away from Savannah, but I just had to get it off my chest. Okay. <laughs> We're talking about lights. We're talking about that area. I've been to Boone. Apparently, Ozark has not. But Ozark lies. has been to Savannah. If you see the episode of Ozark and you're a fan of the show where they're on the gambling boat. Yeah, and that's it's the on, Georgia Queen. And it's on the river. That's the Georgia Queen, which is a... Dinner boat. It's not a casino boat. It's a dinner boat. But it is on the Savannah River, right by River Street. So if you come down to Savannah, go to River Street, and you're a fan of Ozark, then you'll see that very boat sitting right out there on the river and you can uh, book, go have yourself a yeah, dinner cruise. You can book your cruise there. No gambling, unfortunately. 
These lights were such a source of interest that they actually were commissioned to be looked into by the government. Check this out. The mystery was such that Congressman E.Y. Webb requested the U.S. Geological Survey investigate the matter. Their 1913 study concluded the sightings had merely been train headlights seen in the distance. But that didn't sit well with people, especially when the sightings continued, even during a period following the Great Flood of 1916, when no trains were even running. So they had determined that it was natural causes based on this survey. But what do you think about it when they said that the train tracks were flooded out? They were still seeing the lights, even though their explanation was debunked. I think it was aliens. It probably was aliens and swamp gas. That's what I go. They work together. That's my go-to every time. Swamp gas is a cover for the aliens. They work together, Will McLean, and he'll get those kids. But because of this survey and the results of it and the people fighting back on it, They did another one, so cue the music. This prompted North Carolina Senators Simmons and Overman to request another, more extensive investigation. This time, George Rogers Mansfield was sent in to conduct the survey. He took detailed measurements and readings from positions all over the area. But in the end, his conclusions were pretty much the same, attributing most of the lights he saw to cars, trains, stationary lights, and brush fires. So it could have been cars, trains, and maybe brush fires. Not sure how a brush fire (laughs) can fly into the air and move around, but that was his conclusion. And all I can say is that perhaps he was also bought off by Big Mushroom as well. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's the source. Alien selling mushrooms. To Will McLean. To Will McLean. With the lights. They are. It makes sense. It makes sense. Here's lights popping up all over. (laughs) Everywhere. Here's another clip from some reliable people who actually saw the lights. C.W. Smith and Les Burroughs spent decades working in law enforcement and investigation for the U.S. Forest Service. They were on duty together at Wiseman's View when C.W. saw his first Brown Mountain light. I wasn't really interested that much in the Brown Mountain lights. We was there responding to a call. I never really looked for the Brown Mountain lights, but all of a sudden, Les and I both approximately the same time said, you see that light over there? And I said, yeah. Kind of catches you by surprise and you, you're thinking, well, I'm not going to say anything about this because Les is going to think I'm a nut. So tell me you didn't get the Mayberry Barney Fife feel from this guy. Now, Ange. He's a first-rate grade A number one nut. But seriously, though, these men would really have no reason to lie about their experiences. And I'm sure that they actually did see something. I don't know how it could be explained by science, but then again, I also barely passed science in high school. I thought that was math. Yes. Both? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was an underachiever. So. Oh, well, good thing you're not anymore. Yeah, I am an overachiever you now. I'm making are. up for it later in life. Yeah. You know, I apologize to all my former teachers if any of them are still living and listening to our podcast. So, one of the more popular explanations is that it could be some form of ball lightning. What's ball lightning? Ball lightning is lightning in the form of a ball. Okay. Do we have that over the ocean? Probably. I've never seen it. And I may have screwed up that definition. And once again, you have the mouse and I don't, so I can't Google it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm and Googling it. As I'm on a roll with this, here's another clip. If it is ball lightning, what could be causing it? Josh has his theory. Brown Mountain is sort of a geological conduit for massive amounts of electricity 
traveling around our planet. Uh, our planet is kind of a big dynamic electrical machine. It may be because of the special geology there. It seems to be a place, one of a handful of places on the planet that is a very good conductor of this type of electrical power. So ball lightning does sound like a reasonable explanation to me, but uh, just because it could be a natural phenomenon doesn't mean that it couldn't have some paranormal significance too, right? I still think it's aliens with mushrooms. <laughs> Here comes another clip. But even if the brown mountain lights are part of a natural phenomenon, I think they trigger a lot of very weird, even more paranormal stuff as sort of a byproduct. So based on this, sounds like that even if it's natural, it's definitely super spooky and haunted. And if we go there and see these lights, there's no way one of them won't float into the trunk of our car and fall us back to Savannah, <laughs> hide in the closet, and jump out at me when I'm letting the dogs out before bed. Oh, it's happening. We're taking a road trip. First, we're going to Gurdon, Arkansas. We're going to go dig up the parking lot. And then digging up the parking lot. Then we're going to go find that lantern. The lantern. Taking it all the way to North Carolina. Yeah, we're not even stop and stay in the night. We're going to no. drive from Gurdon, Arkansas yes. to... Boone or Morganton, North Carolina. Yes. We're going to stand on the mountain until the light flies into the trunk of the car. And then we're not going straight home no, because then we're going... we've got another location coming up right now. He's shining the make-go light. Shining the make-go light. Just a white place along the track. Shining the make-go light. My name is Ron. I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina. I grew up in Raleigh. I'm uh, 76 years old. But in 1967, I was hired by Humble Oil Company to go to work with the company. And they sent me to Wilmington, North Carolina, to the terminal down there to work. And uh, one night when Elwood and myself got off of work, I had heard of the Mako light from my dentist, Dr. James H. Edwards here in Raleigh, when I was younger, we decided we would go over and see if we could see that light. And we made our way over there. We parked the car, got out. We were only there maybe 15 minutes. We looked down the tracks and lo and behold, there was the light on the track. So for our final story, we're staying in the Tar Hill State, which we both are very much familiar with since we were born there. Yes, we were. Don't you love that North Carolina accent? You married it. Again. Yeah. So this legend takes place in Mako, North Carolina, which is in Brunswick County. It's a small, rural, unincorporated town a few miles west of Wilmington, North Carolina. That's right outside of my friend's uh, where he lives. Yeah, it's a beach town. It's a beach town. We should have brought Chad in on too. this one. Yeah, we'll get to those stories someday. This one is very similar to what we heard in the Gurdon Light legend, but hundreds of witnesses also saw this. So I think it's interesting. It's 1867, right after the Civil War. It was a dark, rainy summer night. Wait, let me say that. So it's 1867, right after the Civil War. It's a dark, rainy summer night. Is that good? You hijacking my story? I don't know. I just wanted to say it in a cool <laughs> voice. That's how I'm going to introduce every story from now on. <laughs> so an African-American Civil War vet named Joe Baldwin was a brakeman on a train. His train was crossing over what was then Rattlesnake Grade. That's where they give them five miles an hour and they'll take six. And if you give them six, then they'll take seven. 
now barn. <laughs> exactly. He found himself in the caboose looking back at the tracks behind him when he noticed the train seemed to be slowing down. At the same time, he noticed in the distance a faint light. He slowly began to realize that the caboose had become uncoupled from the car in front of him and the light in the distance was an approaching train. Never a good situation to find yourself in. Never. He began to yell and scream and swing his lantern to warn the oncoming train. But as we all know, trains don't stop quickly. And by the time the other train realized what was happening, it was too late. The two trains collided and Joe was said to be decapitated in the accident. Why do trains always involve decapitation? Exactly. It's like, I would have think that I would have just tried to jump off. How about yeah. you? Like, I may have died Don't anyway. be a hero. Don't be headless. <laughs> it's like, you're, you might die, but hey, try it. Just it jump. seems like you see where the train's coming from, and it's not There's like no it's going to swerve it. off so the track. just try, yeah. you know, just take your chances. Drop and roll. Yeah, this jump man's a hero, though, Crystal. Take two beers and jump. <laughs> <laughs> just take two beers and jump. <laughs> anyway, soon after, in 1873, people started reporting seeing a light in the distance, much like the light of a lantern. It would swing from side to side like it would be if it were being carried by a person. President Grover Cleveland's train stopped in Mako on a trip through the area in 1889. He asked the conductor why they used two lights instead of one, because apparently most, you know, they would use one signal. Okay. Well, they used two because he told him the, the story of Joe Baldwin and he explained that two lights were needed because they had to distinguish between real trains and the ghost train. Was it that prevalent? Yeah, yeah. So, like, they saw like it all the time. Word of mouth. No, they saw it all the time. They saw the light. So, they went to a system where they used two lights so that everyone knew if you see one light, ignore it. Ignore whatever it is. That sounds unsafe. If you see two lights, then you do it. Yeah. like. So, what about if one of the lights were burnt out? <laughs> then you might have another Joe Baldwin situation. Decapitations galore. So, the light appeared, you know, so frequently they established this rule and the president was so intrigued, he later shared this tale with his colleagues in Washington, D.C. and introduced the legend of the Mako light to a national audience. So, ah, there we go, North Carolina, get on the map. Yeah, a little exposure for North Carolina. That's cool. An interesting tidbit about Grover Cleveland, he served as the 22nd and 24th president of the United States from 1885 to 1889 and again from 1893 to 1897. He's the only president in American history to serve two non-consecutive terms in office. And also probably the only one named Grover. Probably. What was his name? I don't know thinking? all the presidents, so I couldn't tell you, but. Yeah, uh, I don't think there's another Grover. Yeah. Unless there's like a Grover he sounded Cleveland like when Jr. He talked. Do they have recordings of him? I know that's a long time ago. I don't know, but he is like a really cool looking dude. Just look him up. Yeah. He looks really like important. Well, so, he was the president of the I United know, States. I know, but he, before that, he was a lawyer. He looked all important, like lawyer. Joe Hostelow and stuff. I mean, no, what's his name? Mike Hostelow. That, he looked sure. all important like that. Mike Hostelow. You know that guy. I know Mike Hostelow. So sightings continued through the years. And in 1925, uh, this light apparently chased two farm boys into the woods. I don't know what happened to so them. So it Hopefully doesn't stay okay. on the railroad tracks then? No, it moves wherever it wants. Oh, okay. In 1946, a photographer named Pete Knight, who worked for the Wilmington Morning Star, went down to the tracks and he returned with a blurry photo that ran in the paper with a caption, quote, there was a chunk of ectoplasm as big as life. Come on, Crystal, if you're going to say it, it's from the 40s. Say, say it, it right. It was a chunk of ectoplasm as big as life. <laughs> Perfect. Life magazine ran a feature about it in 1957. 
This caused famous psychics, professors, and even a team of investigators from the Smithsonian Institute to come out and investigate. They get the whole crew back together. It's like a reunion. <laughs> Woodstock, too, except this time we're finding the light. They even had a machine gun detachment. <laughs> oh, no, that <laughs> this is, is getting cool. serious. From Fort Bragg, and they were deployed to hunt down the light in 1960. I could see this movie being <laughs> remade in the 80s starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, and Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. And you have to have Stallone in it. Yes. And they're hunting the light. And it's like, we've got to get the light. And clearly, they were not successful. Really? No, they weren't. I no, mean, it how many on. rounds did they fire? It wasn't said, but it, it hung around for a little longer. Okay. This is also a very popular place to take your date back in the day. It's a, <laughs> a very small town. It's a town. spooky town. <laughs> It's a spooky place. Yes, they didn't have anything else to do. Hey, baby, let's go see the light. Like some towns, you like drive from one end of the you know street to the other, like the downtown. That's yeah, like Gastonia, North. Yeah, Carolina. that's all you could do. Drive down or the street. Cruising Franklin. Yeah, cruising Franklin. That's all you did. When the Seaboard Coastline Railroad removed these tracks in 1977, the mysterious light disappeared. But for over a hundred years, there were many sightings that were reported by residents and tourists. So. So the light ended for good, except it didn't. No, it was gone. It's never been seen again since 1977. Really? No, it's gone. Wow. So was Joe Baldwin? Well, then why are we going to go to North Carolina then? No, we were going to Boone. But we're not going to Wilmington. We'll go to Wilmington for a different reason. They probably have other ghost stories, but this uh, one's done. Okay. Yeah. So was Joe Baldwin and his tale real? For sure. According to Wilmington native James Seberg. He dug through the records in the archives and he found no evidence of a man ever living named Joe Baldwin who worked for the railroad at that time. But that's basically how they'd want you to have it. He did, however, find well-documented accounts of a Charles Baldwin. Aha. Uh-huh. This guy was injured in a train accident near Mako on January 4th, 1856. And this is a full decade before this Joe Baldwin you know, story started. Maybe he assumed a new identity and it was <laughs> off the books. Yeah, he wasn't decapitated, but he did die from head injuries on January 7th. So maybe this is where the legend's born. Well, maybe he just had a sinew holding his head on. So maybe. technically it wasn't decapitation. So this guy, his, uh, you know, he was buried, but later his remains were moved and his headstone was lost. And no one knows where he is to this day. Sounds like Savannah Cemetery System from the uh, Civil War era. It happens. All that remains these days are a few submerged stumps over the old trestle at Rattlesnake Creek. And now it's privately owned, so no trespassing. So we can't go out there. Sorry. Why are you doing air quotes? (laughs) They have no museum. There's no historical markers. There's no nothing that remembers this um, Uh, mysterious We've already heard in Savannah that that's one good way to rile up a spirit is to not give it recognition. The only thing left in this neighborhood is a street named for this famous spirit, Joe Baldwin Drive. And you wouldn't even know that's what it was. I know. You're like, who's that? You didn't know the story. Well, I guess locals might know, though. So I wonder what this mysterious light was. Could Swamp it have gas been? aliens. <laughs> so maybe, you know, they had no records because he was Afri- African-American and it was the late 1800s. That would make sense, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably more likely. So maybe he did exist. Or maybe it's just a ghost story made to thrill and frighten children. You and your I'm going to scare kids stories. Both of yours were designed to scare children. My story was a good old story about a bunch of men getting slaughtered over who knows what in the mountains of North Carolina. 
and your story is to scare children. So since this one no longer exists, I guess we better make that road trip before it's gone. Oh, yes. Yeah, if they tear up those tracks, I wonder if it'll go away. Oh, yeah, because you said they're defunct now, right? They are. They are. Oh, and we got to go find that guy from the airport because we know how to track him down because he's got an Augusta Masters hat that he was really proud of that he showed my dad. Yeah, he went to the Masters and saw Tiger Woods. Yeah, and he was on their airplane flying in from Charlotte to Vegas and he just started screaming, go hogs, <laughs> apparently. And my dad, it's the funniest thing. We flew on the airplane with my parents. Well, my parents flew not with us, but they flew from Charlotte to Vegas and they got to the airport at the same time. Well, they were on the flight with this guy who was screaming, go dogs. And then we go just hogs. go hogs. I'm sorry. It sounds so similar. And we're yeah. so used to saying go yeah. dogs, but go hogs. And we end up in the same bar in the airport together. And, and then the guy just starts like, talking to me. I don't know why, but people just start talking to me when they see me. And they start buying you drinks, too. And they buy me drinks, which I don't know why, because I don't look like a person (laughs) to be like, hey, this guy needs to drink. (laughs) And then he just got to talking, and then my dad was talking to him, and he was, uh, well, he asked us about football, and we were talking about Georgia Bulldogs, because they just won the national championship, and he brought up the Hogs. And then my dad's like, weren't you the one on the airplane screaming? He's like, yeah, I was. Yeah, I had that was headphones. Me. <laughs> I didn't know I was that loud. So then he had to come over and tell us his whole life story. And this is how we found out about the Gurdon Light. It is. So I hope that if it was Joe, I hope he found peace when they demolished those tracks. I'm sure he did. I hope so. One thing I noticed with all three of these stories, I looked at a bunch of pictures online and that have been captured by witnesses and they all look so similar. Like you couldn't tell which place was what if you didn't know, especially the train tracks. Well, swamp gas looks the same in all places. Well, so do aliens. That's another so fact. So I'm going with aliens, y'all. That's another fact that uh, most people are not aware of, but us who have been indoctrinated into the inner workings disclaimer, of swamp gas. Disclaimer, he's not an expert in swamp yeah. gas. Well, yeah, disclaimer. She works for Big Swamp Gas. So I work for the aliens. <laughs> I'm on board with them. Big aliens. Big aliens. They're coming to a town near you. They're starting in these little rinky-dink towns, but soon enough, they'll be where you are. Don't worry. They've been working at it for hundreds of years, but the plan's coming to fruition soon. Hey, I've seen uh, American Horror Story. Yes, I have too. So I believe that more than I believe some of the stuff that I've read about what's supposed to be true. Yeah. So all that being said, now we come to the portion of our episode that we like to call Layla and Coffee Talk. I was letting you say it because I screwed it up last time. (laughs) You called it Coffee and Layla Talk. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's totally nonsensical. Coffee Talk. Not anything like anything I've said (laughs) up to this point in this episode. Exactly. So, since we've been home from Vegas, coffee hasn't destroyed anything. Go coffee. Well, yeah. Unless you count the messes she's made on the floor. Well, that was because we weren't home. We went somewhere briefly and no one would let her out but us. So, that got cleaned up. She didn't mean it. (laughs) She's sorry. We actually had to get a new TV for our bedroom because the old one broke and this threw them all out of their routine. They were not happy. No, because usually at night we go down to our room and watch TV and work on stuff or just watch TV, just chill out. And the dogs love to lay on the bed for a few hours before they have to go to their bed. Snore. Yeah, they like to snore. And so we were sitting upstairs in the living room, which is totally unusual for us. We We hardly ever do that. Very rarely. So Layla, who's like 90 pounds of all beef, and she likes to 
she wanted to be right where we were. So she's like yes. laying across. She has been described by one of our friends as a meat cylinder. Yeah, she's large. So she's like trying to lay. We have like a double recliner love seat with a console in the middle. Yeah. And she's trying to lay across it in the most uncomfortable way just to be near us. And she's like staring at us, trying to figure out what we are doing. She's just not having it. She does not like her routine to be broken. No, she does not. So we had to rush out Monday night and buy a new TV so she would be happy. And she seems to like it. And another cool thing is uh, our son's girlfriend actually bought us a DNA kit for dogs. Yes. For Christmas. Thank you, Miranda. Thank you, Miranda. It's actually her birthday today. Happy 25th birthday, Miranda. Happy birthday to you. (laughs) And I don't know if you're listening, but happy birthday. And so she bought us the DNA kit at Christmas. And uh, yes, I know it's February. We're going to find out what species of cow Layla is. <laughs> I'm going to say she's Pekingese, even though she looks like a pit bull. A Pekingese Guernsey. That's yeah. what I'm going to say she is. She does look like a baby cow, but we're going to find out for sure. And then we'll probably buy a second DNA kit to see what coffee is. See what kind of rodent she yeah, is. Yeah, she's probably like a warp rat. <laughs> she's just like, wow, that's just an overgrown rat. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll keep you all updated when we get the results of their DNA tests. So you can find us online if you go to www.scarysavannahandbeyond.com or www.scarysavannah.net. You can find us on our social media sites on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, TikTok. LinkedIn, YouTube. If you go to our website, there's a link for YouTube. We need subscribers so we can get a name for our page. Please go subscribe to our YouTube page. You don't even have to say anything. Just go click Click the subscribe button. Thumbs up button and the subscribes. Yeah. Just, yeah. Do that. Do both of those. Do both of those. That's all you got to do. And please go and leave us a five-star rating and a review on our podcast, on your podcast player of choice on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or good pods. Yeah, you don't even have to write a review. You can just click the five stars if you feel like yep. it's five and stars. That's all you have to do. And we thank you so much for listening to us. Like we said before, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail to play on the air, or if you have any corrections or anything you'd like to add to any of these stories. Or can, a story suggestion. Or a story suggestion. Or if you are in fact swamp guest. <laughs> or an alien, please. Aliens call in. <laughs> call us at 912 406 2899. That number is 912-406-2899. You can call and leave a voicemail and you can apparently text us too. So that's pretty awesome. I like text messages better than voicemails. Yeah. Voicemails annoy me. Yeah. I don't like phone calls in general, mm. but it's but, a way of life. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing I'm not in sales, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I believe that's just going to leave the one last thing. Join us next time in Savannah, where the ghosts and the good times live on. Mm -hmm.